welcome to a special commentary edition of Lave Radio. This week we're discussing uh, a controversy which has come up around the game, around Frontier Developments, and around the development of the game Elite Dangerous. Frontier Developments were in a position where they had to drop the offline version of the game. Now what this means uh, is that for people that were expecting to be able to download a completely self-contained package which they didn't have to connect to the internet to play, they didn't have to connect to any other players to play, and would essentially run completely in a local instance on their PC. Frontier have basically said that they've looked at their development and it is not going to be possible to deliver that version. This has resulted in lots of quite hard feeling online uh, and lots of debate and discussion, particularly from those who perhaps felt that the offline version of the game was a promise that was made during the Kickstarter funding period. This debate has been going for a few weeks. We haven't yet tackled the issue, partly because we've been enormously busy and also partly because it's one of those issues that's really burned away and created a huge amount of feeling. And actually, the issue has kind of changed and evolved and moved on on an almost day-to-day basis and we're kind of only now at the position where it's easy to to look at it uh, and provide you with some kind of informed debate and discussion. Uh, Joining me tonight in the Orange Sidewinder is Ben, John and Alan uh, and we're going to dive straight in and ask uh, Alan for your opening thoughts on on the offline situation. Well it's a difficult one really. I think I've I mean I've posted on my blog in relation to this in that um, two years ago we started a process whereby we were looking at the development of a computer game that was part of our childhood. You know, we all wanted it back and we all still do want it back and having been to the launch party only a short time ago, that is that is a dream that's coming to realisation. And it's it's always sad when you find that people who started that journey with you or joined that, joined that journey with you midway through can't actually participate in its ending. Now, I think there's there's kind of three areas that I've, I've felt have, have emerged and I'm I'm kind of glad we've or we're looking at this now rather than looking at it a couple of weeks ago or a week or so ago because I, I do think it's it's needed to run its course a little bit. It's not obviously resolved, but it's needed to run its course in terms of the ways in which um, uh, the ways in which it's not being implemented and the ways in which people are, are sort of uh, determining their positions on this. There are three groups of people. Essentially, there's the people that can't access online content. You know, there are obviously there are people in the world who are in situations where they don't have a regular online connection uh, for whatever reason and cannot access online content regularly for uh, for the playing of a game. Now, what we don't know at this stage is exactly what the bandwidth requirement of the solo online play will be it has been said that you know in a lot of uh, the the test versions it's been said that it's actually quite low so you wonder if some of those people who can access a very very tiny online connection will be able to access the you know the, the eventual game so that's one group of people the next group of people is the group of people who see this as a deal breaker in terms of the fact that they wanted to play this game a particular way and so, you know, that was the way they wanted to play it. That's their playing style. Uh, and this effectively no longer is the game that they wanted to play that way. They're, you know, they're obviously worried about any influence by anybody on their game. Even though they'd be in an online solo play mode, they still don't want dynamic market data. They don't want trade and and prices influenced by anybody else at all. They wanted it to be completely theirs. And then thirdly, you've got a group of people who essentially it becomes an issue of on delivery of, of promise. And so they essentially they see the withdrawal of the commitment to a feature that had been mentioned 
at the Kickstarter and been mentioned in the the subsequent development as being you know a committed feature. The withdrawal of commitment to that feature, they see that as breaking a promise, and so they see that as as slightly dishonest. So I think that kind of groups the the three major uh, people who have a, an issue with the the withdrawal of the of the feature. Okay, so there have been a number of different things about it. I mean, following on from what you're saying about the people that that want to play the game fully offline on their computer, there has been an issue raised around privacy, and there are those that, that there are some that feel that the dropping of the offline mode and forcing you to sort of log in to play the game is DRM by the back door. Uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I can't. I think it's a bit of a false equivalency to say that an MMO game, which is how the vast majority of people w- would be playing it and, and will be playing it now that they've announced offline's off, is DRM through the back door. How can you say that a game you have to play online is DRM'd because you need to log in? It doesn't make sense. I mean, you don't think that it you don't think that it helps that obviously by by having people logging in with an account, you kind of are in control of who's playing your game. Well, of course it helps, but I think that that is a kind of side effect rather than the main purpose. I mean, Frontier, and and this is the main point I was going to make is Frontier have always said top of the core feature list is multiplayer, and Michael Brooks said that at the very first LaveCon. They felt the same way as I did and a lot of other people that you know the original Elite was and Frontier they were great. But everybody imagined having a, a multiplayer experience, and so they wanted to prioritize that. And it's now shown that they prioritize it so much that um, they can't have offline interfering with the success of that. Yeah, I mean, there's been uh, some discussion as well about the frontier have built the game around having injected events we've talked a lot about injected events and plot uh, and we know that somewhere you know possibly later down the line for another release or for emergent plot the thargoids are out there somewhere no one knows where there are that there's been a thought that obviously providing that database of back-end stuff for local installation causes security issues any thoughts on that ben uh not actually about security issues today in fact Sol had a civil war. The Gaia party, I think it is, or something like that, Mother Gaia faction in the Sol system was attacking Earth, and apparently they won because the war zones around Earth have cleared up and only the Mother Earth, sorry, the Mother Gaia faction ships are still there. That is exactly the reason why it's an online-only game. If the game wasn't online... They couldn't do that, and Chris Jarvis sitting under his rock would never get that storyline. Absolutely. And, and I know, and thank you, someone's provided the quote for me here. So the official thing that Frontier said was that a fully offline experience would be unacceptably limited and static compared to the dynamic, ever-enfolding experience we're delivering. Now, it's interesting that, because they're obviously built, they've talked before Frontier about building a game that is for the future is there perhaps a feeling that a game that comes out at the moment which is a completely limited offline sandbox with no dynamic features and other players is that already out of date by the time it hits the shelves possibly i mean you've also got the fact that essentially the way in which the game that we're looking at is procedurally generated in you know in the majority of its content when you were looking at frontier first encounters frontier first encounters had a dynamic database of story written into the game so as you went through the game events clustered around you and happened around you so an awful lot of the um the journals and the other information were designed you know the 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 information you saw in the news reports were designed in such a way as they were in nearby systems and occasionally there were events that could be shaped by you 
so you would feature in those news stories. But it was set up so the database would take your commander name and insert it and so on and so forth. Now, the problem here is that unless you're dealing with a parallel development whereby you are completely developing something like that as an online store or, you know, a developing story for one individual, centering them in the, in, in the entire plot, and you're developing something that everybody can be involved in, so a database that's injecting events, being dynamic, reacting to all players, unless you're doing both things, then one will not fit both. And at the same time, if you're doing the one for, for a single person, then how does that relate to the galaxy once you, you get out? You know, once once everybody else, you've been the hero of your own story for a period of time, and then suddenly you're released into this wide galaxy and you're kind of one player amongst many. It, it sort of has a bit of a an immersion clash, or at least a, a narrative clash. I think, I mean, Star Citizen have, have an interesting idea in this, in that Star Citizen have always said all the way through that Squadron 42 was going to be centered around the player and then the persistent universe was going to be this this sort of wider thing and and i know that chris roberts has come out and and talked a little bit about the offline decision for elite dangerous as well in the last 10 for the chairman the the interesting thing there is because they've they've kind of set it already then everyone knew that that was you know how they were going to reconcile these these two particular problems that that in itself has an inherent problem because you know you are shifting from a hero centered narrative to a contributor-centered narrative. What Elite have gone for is essentially a contributor-centered narrative. And aside from the difficulties of um, of everything else, if you if you gave people an offline version of the the galaxy as it is at the moment, without those injected events, as Ben was talking about, then it would feel very flat. Um, and we've already had people talking about where's the story when's the story going to start on the the forums anyway so so you know you can see that people want something a bit more that that feels like that you know that a narrative is going on that a narrative they can be part of and contribute to but that is larger than them is going on around them i think it was only uh, first encounters that had that that kind of narrative you know with elite and frontier it was very much more like what what we have with elite dangerous that you had the galaxy and you made your own fun and you made your own story. So are these expectations of, you know, like the single player hero narrative, are they coming from first encounters players or is it something that become expected because of other games that people have played recently? I think it's the latter. I think it's certainly the, you know, the expectation of the hero in their own story is, is certainly come from other games. You know, first encounters managed to, you know, to sort of center the player in, in an interesting way. But yeah, it wasn't, the experience that people remember from the other games because they're essentially they were sandbox you know and there, there really wasn't much of a story if you think about how much people cling on to the fact from elite that they had a mission whereby they had to evacuate people from a planet because the sun was going nova you know it was one mission and then later there's there's i think there's another mission about destroying a, a space station so few little bits of narrative within that other than you know, you almost filling in the gaps for yourself and, and letting your imagination run wild in, in terms of creating your own narrative. I think Elite's always going to have that legacy, whatever incarnation it is. You know, Elite Dangerous will have that legacy. The X series, the X series has a, a you know, X2 certainly had a very clear narrative, but you could opt out of it and you could kind of just go off and do your own thing and then you could dive back in when you wanted to or just go off and do your own thing. And I, I kind of, I think that this balance where they're looking at people being 
participatory and collaborative to to the narrative rather than dominating it. I think this is important. And I, I just don't see, and I think Frontier didn't see, how they could provide that kind of moving story to anybody who was not part of the online experience. One other group of people who are annoyed about the lack of offline mode is the modding community, which, as we've seen in Oolite and I think in Pioneer and in DD3D or whatever it is for Frontier, there is a massive community of very intelligent people who like to create their own content, and this lack of offline mode could well be hindering those guys. Um, I don't think it's a massive community, but I, I completely take your point in that I do think they're a very, very energetic community and a very skilled community. And certainly Elite Dangerous does not offer anything for them uh, in that regard, because by being perpetually online, it's not going to offer anything for them until the build is released at the end of end of life, effectively. I, at least I can't see it that way. I was just going to say, given that when it comes to content, that Frontier are funding the servers through generating content themselves, obviously that, that kind of comes into conflict with the modding community. Absolutely. I think we want to be a bit clear. I mean, as, a, as an official author, I didn't write a book to just service a community of people who were going to play the game online. Okay, And that I, think, I think that's important to make the distinction here. I wrote a book for everybody that wanted to back Elite and I wanted, you know, everybody that wanted the game back. I think that my concern here is not, you know, not so much in, in regards to the, the detail of what's happening and the detail of the decisions that have been made. If they've got to be made, they've got to be made. At the end of the day, whether you agree or disagree, the person who's empowered to make the decision makes the decision. And you either accept it or you, you know, you question it. And I, I respect anybody in terms of the, you know, their choice in that regard. But the point is, is that, you know, I, I'm going to continue playing Elite. I've always I've always thought that the game was going to be online. I've always wanted to play it online. You know, I want to play it in a PvP environment. I want to play it in the open play environment. I, you know, I have no interest in the in the PvE environment or anything else, but I, I recognise that other players do. And, you know, I just think this is a shame in that regard. I, I understand that decisions have had to be made, but it's always a shame when people are upset. In terms of Frontier's handling of the situation... Do we think Frontier handled it in the right way? Do we think, is there anything they could have done to kind of make it better? And there's obviously kind of a, an issue around timing because this announcement that offline wouldn't be happening. Obviously, the game's been being worked on for the last 18 months uh, and this decision was not only communicated, but it sounds like this decision was only made about you know, three or four weeks before launch. Does anyone have any thoughts on that? I remember during the Kickstarter being on the on the original like comments page on Kickstarter. And I remember all quite a few of the things that were said by the developers. Everyone was really excited. Everybody wanted to have their questions answered. And I remember a lot of people asked, is there going to be an offline mode? And the answer was, yes, yes, we're going to have an offline mode. But at the same time, I also remember on quite a few occasions that um, it, it was communicated that, that basically all features were subject to confirmation. They didn't say it in such a way, but they basically said we reserve right to, to pull anything, basically, because we don't know the future. I'm not trying to uh, say that, that that means that you know people who are complaining about offline mode shouldn't be complaining, because I don't think that was the best way to communicate it anyway. It is going to look bad that they announce it so close to the release. But they kind of explain that in that they have been trying to get it to work. And from, you know, from my understanding of some of the people that have been testing the security surrounding the game, it would seem that they've had to move quite a lot of the functionality that they originally had planned to keep in the client and, and would have actually serviced perhaps the offline mode. 
has had to have been put on the servers. So unless you're, you know, irrationally seeing a conspiracy theory and, you know, you're accusing them of lying, they've said that they've tried to keep it working and that unfortunately they had to make the decision. They've now done that and they're sorry they didn't communicate it earlier. I don't know what else they could have done. I mean, they could have announced that they were having problems with the offline mode, but I don't know if how productive that would have been. I think you'd have still had just as many pissed off people. In, in a kind of nod to the conspiracy theories, I mean, honestly, I think, I think Frontier have handled things i don't think they've handled things brilliantly but i think they have handled things quite honestly and transparently uh, and i alluded earlier to it being a security issue with the contents of the database i mean john you know what do you think about you know whether they potentially felt that the the offline mode represented problems with cheating or problems with spoilers is that something you think was in their mind i mean definitely problems with spoilers because from what my experience having worked with kind of collaborated with some other people that have been looking at the game client what are you able to do with it in terms of hacking it's a serious problem with content it's very easy to hook into the executable find out what's going on check out the associated data files and so if frontier want to have a kind of ongoing narrative which they're going to inject they're going to have to do it from the server side because if they put it in the client then people are going to be able to see it coming uh, and maybe even gain the system in some way also from a transactional point of view they need to move all that stuff onto the server anyway so people can't influence you know they can't give themselves more cash they can't give themselves more cargo cheating on bounties all this stuff that we've seen in the alpha and beta have you noticed it's gone away and it's gone away because so much more of the logic is now happening on the server and so if they wanted to have an offline uh, mode as Alan's already said, there would be have to be a parallel path to, to development. You'd have to have two versions of the game. And it would have to be a massively cut down, you know, it would be akin to the sort of, you know, the, the old era when a game would come out on the PlayStation 3 and there would be a kind of PlayStation 2 version, which was a sort of shadow of the... A shadow of the experience. And I think maybe that's what Frontier are trying to avoid because they've made some comments about how the game is judged when it comes out into the public. And I think they're thinking that if they commit lots of resources to producing this offline mode, which doesn't contain any of the dynamism of the, the client server model and doesn't contain any of the injected events or the things that make the universe live and breathe, that they're basically going to be judged in the gaming press and in the wider public as just a prettified version of no more than the original Elite game. I mean, that is what you would basically have in offline, by the sounds of it anyway. Looking at the current build we have, if you just if you took out the injective events, it is just a pretty version of Frontier Cross Elite. I, I dare say that some people would, would say that that is what they want. But I don't think the reviewers would share their nostalgia, and so it would probably reflect badly. Does it matter if you're cheating? Does it matter if you're hacking? Does it matter if you're flying a Millennium Falcon instead of the Cobra Mark III? Sorry, what I meant was that by hacking the client, if there's certain logic that's presented on the client that they can get hold of and de- you know put into debug mode and have a look at, they can infer from that certain information which they wouldn't be able to do if the logic was server-side. And also, it does matter because we well know that what most people will do with that information is post it on the internet. So if it's about finding things and if it's about discovering stuff, then if that information's then posted up as to where all these secrets are you know your game's kind of kind of gone isn't it delving into this a bit as well i mean obviously you know we understand that that people are upset by by the removal of features and we've seen lots of features over time that the people on the elite community have got quite heated about i've you know i remember when it was first announced that planetary landings wouldn't make release one you know lots of people said they were going to walk 
uh, away from the community off the back of that. There was something as well. There was something that came up that people said was a deal breaker and left. It might have even been something as simple as the flight model, the role in your model. Oh, I see. Okay, so Newtonian physics then. Newtonian physics. So there have been there've been features that have come up that have made people get quite heated. But do we think we've seen a different and, you know, dare I say, slightly worse face of the community in the face of this particular dropped feature? For the elite community, there's been some quite abusive content doing the rounds. To give you an example, Drew Wagar wrote an article in his own blog, giving a kind of, you know, similar to what we're trying to do, giving a bit of a balanced look uh, at the whole offline thing and kind of trying to trying to discuss both sides. And I think someone wrote something on it like... I can't remember what it was. Was it like, fuck off, you apologetic piece of shit or something like that? There were two, actually, there were two comments that were, you know, direct abuse at Drew for that. And I'm sure guys at Frontier and the moderators have got uh, a great deal more abuse in that regard. In these circumstances, uh, it is difficult. People feel passionate about something. They feel that something's there. Sometimes they, they kind of don't see the, the humanity behind the, the people who are trying to deal with the situation. And I think that's difficult. When one person decides to, to buy the game and for some reason they can't log in and there is an issue with regards to, to them you know downloading their copy and being able to log in and play straight away. The first thing they do is on to support. You know, I've done it this evening. I've, you know, I've purchased some software this evening. Immediately, you know, as the software's come in, I've been able to download it, play it, and then the trial ten minutes or whatever has expired, and it said to me, "I need to activate it." And the secu- you know, the the serial codes not come through. So immediately, I'm onto the support team to to get the security code through. Now that means, you know, I'm I'm without the thing I've purchased. So that immediately makes me slightly irked. But at the same time, the guy at the other end who's got to deal with my email query, it's not necessarily his fault. It might be a fault in the database. It might be something else. There is always still a person behind that. And I think that that's a really difficult situation sometimes when people are particularly irritated and, and when passions run high and they put a lot of money into something, that can be a problem for them. Are we experiencing a kind of that that sense of entitlement that sometimes permeates other gaming forums? I mean, we've seen it previously with uh, a huge movement of gamers got essentially forced Bioware to to write a different ending to Mass Effect Three because as gamers they weren't happy with the ending that the writers had given them. You know, is there a sense that? There is that thing now that gamers think that the games company kind of owes them an experience that they're expecting rather than the ones that artists and engineers are trying to make. Well, I think there's a whole debate around that, isn't that? Because you, you've got gaming as entertainment versus gaming as artwork. And I think, it's kind of, I think that's kind of out of the scope of this podcast. I'm sure we could do one on, on it as a topic on its own. You know, as artwork, what the developer gives you is that's what you pay for. And expecting it to be different is kind of a bizarre attitude. Whereas gaming as entertainment, that entitlement does exist. Yeah, but I'm just I'm wondering if it's a difference about the way that games companies interact with their community. You know, Frontier have been very interactive with their community from the beginning, and obviously with a front with front with forums and with Twitter and things, it's very easy now for gamers to have direct communication with the people that write the game. Whereas to compare it to say movies, if you go and see a movie and you think the movie should have ended a different way, you can write to the studio. Good luck with that. I mean, no one, no one is ever going to be able to get the end of a movie remade because they've got a group of them together on a forum. I don't know if that's quite right, Chris, because we were seeing a lot of people, say, taking to Twitter and sending J.J. Abrams a tweet saying, I thought your latest movie had way too many lens flares. 
and he is responding to them. Yeah, and you're also seeing, I mean, the BBC did that remake of Drive with a different soundtrack, didn't they? And the Phantom Edit with Jar Jar Binks taken out of uh, out of the, the whole film. I, I think you do see things like this happening. I think you are seeing consumer power reacting and I think you are seeing consumer power having a you know having a place in in some things as well, you know, Lord of the Rings as well with um the original ideas where they were going to take Arwen to Helm's Deep and 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 have her in some of the battles and they the fans kind of kiboshed that when it was revealed that that was going to happen in the script. So you do see things like that happen. Now one of the things that's that's obviously come up with it being a lead because we're obviously all put in mind of the fact that this was a game that came out 30 years ago and we're still playing about it and talking about it. One of the things about there only being a server-based model is that people are worried about the longevity of the game. We're obviously, you know, we we live in an economical climate where companies come and go all the time. Uh, And there's been a feeling that maybe Elite Dangerous won't be a game we can still play in 10 years' time because Frontier might have to make a business decision to switch the servers off or, or, you know, think... Frontier might disappear. Um, what have they said about that? Well, I think that they did what was the only sensible thing to allay those fears, which is to say that if it, you know, they're not planning on that happening anytime soon. But if it did, then they would publish the the server code so that other people could host it and, and carry on the game. You know, if if it's got so bad that they can't make any money, then there's nothing wrong with them doing that, really, because the investors can't complain because the money's already dried up. So I think that's the only thing they can do, and, and it is the best option. There was a and a with David Braben shortly after this announcement, uh, and one of the things that he said... They're not planning to fail. They're not planning to switch the servers off. But one of the things they are doing for kind of posterity and to help the game keep running uh, is they're taking like archives of the server at any given moment. And presumably they feel by, by taking kind of snapshots of where the game is at certain moments in time, maybe either an offline mode will be possible in later years, or, you know, or maybe it'll be possible to run a, a retro server so that Elite can keep going. You know, they have said they are trying to work on a way that Elite will keep going and hopefully outlive them all. Frontier have offered for some people who are really kind of caught up and really aren't going to be able to play the game that they backed uh, without an offline mode. They have offered a limited amount of, of, of refunds for certain people. There is an application process for that. I think originally what they said was that anyone that hasn't actually been online and playing the beta, you know, is entitled to a refund. I think Frontier sort of initially felt that anyone who's managed to get online and, and play it in alpha or beta, they obviously felt that those people weren't in a position to complain about the lack of an offline mode. Having said that, they have since posted that that's not going to be a blanket rule and they will look at refunds on a case-by-case basis. Very tricky situation for them, really. David Braben did say at the launch party that they would look at stuff on a case-by-case basis and they would speak to individuals about what was going on. It is a large game release when people have made use of the online mode and have played the game and then are saying actually i bought this because i thought i was going to get an offline game only that's a very tricky situation particularly as it's tricky for the player because it might be that the player is it's part of their expectation of what they were going to do and they've only been testing because they're enthusiastic and want to help and so on and so forth and maybe you know their their general day-to-day when they wanted to play it was going to be offline but at the same time it's tricky for the for the game company because people have backed they've gone through the process and then one feature removed isn't the end of the game the game is still there the majority of what has been asked for is still there it is only one thing that's gone 
So I'm kind of hoping that some people will, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt and say, you know what, I didn't agree with the way that went down. But at the same time, I'm in this and I love Elite. That's kind of, you know, that that to me is probably a better way of looking at it. The people I feel sorry for are people who just can't play it online at all. And the people I genuinely think they're deserving of a refund, and I'm sure Frontier would sort that out. But is there another issue as well around expectations of Kickstarter and the nature of how people are backing these projects, that they're backing something which is at the point of the, the Kickstarter of going up. You know, it's very sort of ephemeral and it's out there and no one really necessarily knows what they're building until they get their hands stuck into it. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, if you take my Kickstarter for an example, I well know that I went through the project with an expectation that I was going to be able to deliver all of the fiction content through ebook files. I was, you know, absolutely convinced that I'd be able to to deliver some of the appendices content through Mobi and EPUB files. And then people asked me for PDFs, and it was like, okay, fine, I'll I'll deliver PDFs. That's all right. If that's what you've asked me for, that's fine. It was only subsequently, you know, a long way down the list and a long way down through the development when I'd written most of the stuff that I discovered that some of the formatting for the latter parts of the book just can't be done in an EPUB or a MOBI file. So the only option in releasing it is a PDF. Now, the back has been great. You know, they've still got the information. They've still got the stuff. But the only way in which I can send it out is via PDF. And that happens, you know, stuff happens. And I think there is a difference between a consumer purchase. And we've said this before, there is a difference between a consumer purchase and backing a project, putting in that money up front so a project can can exist rather than purchasing it as a consumer. And I know that through this process, there have been times when the Elite Store has come up and people have purchased the, the game through the Elite Store. And obviously that's a different process to the Kickstarter backing. And I know there's times that they purchased it through the backer app and that's a different process to, uh, to Kickstarter backing. But at the end of the day, it's still a development process to Frontier. And you, you kind of got to think about what you know your opinion on that is. And if, if your opinion on that is, okay, this is a deal breaker, I've got to walk away. Okay, you know, that's your choice. And that's a shame. Okay, thank you all very much for your thoughts on this issue. I think to finish this podcast, um, I'd like to, you know, just read what David Braben wrote in the Q&A about this. As Alan says at the beginning, it's a shame that there might be people who aren't able to come on the journey. I think we've seen that Frontier have tried really hard to kind of appease people and to make a great game. And I think David's passion comes across. This is not from the newsletter that people might have received. This is what David wrote in the Q&A that uh, he did shortly after this issue came up. Uh, and this is his response to the questions about the offline game. Back during the Kickstarter, we were clear about the vision to make a phenomenal new sequel to Elite in an online world, which we believe we're about to deliver. At the time, we believed we could offer a good single-player experience and base an acceptable offline-only experience off that. As development has progressed, it has become clear that this last assumption is not the case. That experience would be empty at best, and even that would take a lot of extra work. It is not to enforce DRM or advertising, as you suggest. We will be judged on quality, and the quality of that game experience would be poor, and we don't want to deliver a poor game. To make a richer offline single-player experience has always been possible, and still is, but would be a separate game with its own story content, a huge slice of separate work. We have developed a multiplayer game with an unfolding story involving the players and groups collaborating with specific objectives and taking account of all players' behaviour. This is what the game is about. 
Without this, it would not be the rich gaming experience that we will deliver and would be a great disappointment to all players. I don't pretend it was an easy decision, but it was done to benefit the game as a whole. One thing we have looked at carefully is our requirements of the network connection. For this single player game, they're pretty light. I myself have played the game fine on the train using a laptop on a tethered connection over my phone. Given that this is a game which is only available online, this was the decision we took. I'm sorry that people are so upset about it, but it was the right decision. Okay, thank you all very much for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, um, we're always happy to hear from people. Uh, you can tweet us on at Lave Radio. You can find us on Facebook. Again, Facebook forward slash Lave Radio. Uh, we're on the Frontier forums, uh, and you can email the show at info at laveradio.com. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Two seconds, I'll be right back.